sit down, I'll listen, wait, relax my dudes, it's not too late to join in with these awesome fans, marble at there. Some chips and OC fix and mean to meet the best girl queen, a hydrant squad that just won't wait to ignore all the toxic shit. It's a podcast. It's also a gun. Hey guys, welcome to a special episode of the Geekening Podcast. I'm your host, Leah, and I'm joined today by award-winning children's literature author and illustrator, Dan Yaccarino. So, hi, Dan. Hi. Tell us a bit more about how your day was. How my day was? Um, today, I started to do the final illustrations for a new picture book. So I was very happy about that because it went through a long sketch process. So I'm happy to finally uh, get to it because that's my most favorite part about creating books is to finally be able to do the illustrations. I enjoy writing them. I enjoy assembling the sketches. I enjoy, you know, even conceiving them of them, but I just really love to do the illustration. So I'm very, very happy. Good. And that brings me to my first question. Uh, can you tell us more about the process behind creating an illustrated book for children? Okay. Well, a lot of times I'll have ideas sort of floating around in my head, and sometimes they're floating in my, around in my head for years and sometimes months until I decide to start writing them down or started to doodle, you know, do some sketches. But I, I realized that a lot of the times I won't write anything down until I resolved the story, which is interesting because, you know, when I look at it from sort of an objective view, I should be writing this stuff down to work out the story. But mostly I work out the stories in, in my head. And once I do that, I will start to either write some text, but usually it's drawings. It's just, you know, a lot of times it's just stick figures to help me plot out the book. So then what I'll do then is spend some time, maybe a few days in a row for a few hours each day with just blank sheets of paper and I'll play music and I'll just draw and draw and draw just images in my head that relate to the book or scenes or different things. I'll even jot down some notes for text. And I'll take a few days to do that. And sometimes I'll do that maybe three days, take off a day, and then come back to it. And usually at the end of the week, I will have a lot of drawings. And then I will sift through all those drawings and throw out the ones that don't really work or don't pertain to the story. But sometimes in that process, I'll come up with another idea for a different story. So I'll have to put those aside. But Usually I will sift through all these drawings and ideas, and then I will start assembling the story in small pieces of paper, like sort of like index card sized pieces of paper. And again, they're just stick figures or doodles. And each little piece of paper, you know, there's one for the cover, one for the first spread, one for the second spread. So I'll work out 
the whole story and lay it out, usually on the floor, because there's most of the time there's way more images than I'll be able to use. And then I'll start paring it down. And there are elements that I love, but really don't, if it doesn't do one of two things, I have to, I have to get rid of it. And that is to the, if it doesn't define the character or move the story ahead, I have to eliminate it because there's just only so much room in a picture book for you to tell your story. Picture books are generally 32 pages or 40 pages. And so you don't have a whole lot of real estate in a book to be able to go off on a tangent or focus on small details, unless again, they move the story forward or define the character. So that process usually takes, I don't know, maybe a few weeks where I could sort of pare it down. Typically my books are 40 pages. So I'll tear it down, uh, pare it down to 40 pages. And then once I'm happy with that, then I'll start doing more um, formal sketches for it. And work out, you know, the pacing. And then at that point, I'll start adding text and I'll scan all these little drawings and then I'll, you know, sort of work on them in Photoshop until I have a black and white, very rough version of the book. And that's the first draft. Now I'm doing sketches for another book right now. I'm doing finishes for one, but I'm also doing sketches for another book. And I am on the 15th draft of the book I'm still doing sketches for. So I don't know if folks out there who are interested in maybe doing children's books to hear that, you know, that I've been, you know, working on draft after draft after draft. And I've done almost 70 books, but it's a, it's a slow process. And I enjoy it. Sometimes I wish my brain would work faster, but that's kind of the way that I work. And all books are different. You know, I have a new book uh, that will be released very soon called The Longest Storm. And that is one of the very few books that I've written and illustrated that sort of popped into my head pretty much fully formed. It rarely happens. It happened a small handful of times for me in the last 28 years of doing picture books. And so that book actually went very, very quickly. It was very, you know, like every phase of that process that I described was probably cut in half at least. And I just sort of, in my mind, I knew what the story was supposed to be. And I was very fortunate that I had a vision for that. And I just, you know, sort of laid out the sketches, worked with my editor. She suggested some she suggested a lot of changes, but the foundation was always the same. The structure was exactly the same throughout the process. It's all the nuances, details that, that were changed for after the draft. Okay. Is there a particular reason why these books have to range in page number from 32 to 40 pages? Yes. It's uh, sort of an industry standard. That's not to say that books aren't longer I don't know. I mean, I think uh, the small, chunky board books, you know, the heavy pages, those are usually, I don't know, maybe 20 pages. But it's sort of a standardized page count, and it has to do, believe it or not, with the size of the, the lo very large sheets of paper that are fed into the printer. So the industry over the years has sort of standardized the page count. However, the book that I am working on right now that I'm on 
15th draft of, at the moment is going to be 72 pages. So that's a lot of work, uh, a lot of details. But getting back to your question, it's sort of an industry standard. And it has more to do with cost and shipping and size and trim size, things like that. So, What's your favorite illustrated book by you to date? Oh, to date, it is the it is always the book that I'm working on at the moment. It takes, as I described, it takes a lot to create a book. And, you know, you have to, if you're sinking that much time and effort and energy and creativity into something that takes a long time to do and has a lot of uh, hurdles to get over to, to the final printed book, you have to love that thing you're doing. Now, I love making books, but... I always love the books that I'm working on at the moment the most. There are some highlights, you know, that I still, you know, there's some books that uh, I still have a, you know, sort of a soft spot in my heart for, um, like a book called Every Friday, a book called Good Night, Mr. Knight, All the Way to America, which is a book about my great-grandfather coming to the United States. I and didn't know All the Way to America was about your family. Yes. Yeah, so it begins with my great-grandfather as a little boy in Italy, and then the story moves ahead to him coming to the United States in the 1880s and living in uh, New York City and, and, and starting to have a family. And then I'm eventually <laughs> uh, at the end of the book. So it's sort of, you know, it's kind of autobiographical. It was a lot of fun to do. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, because I recently checked out All the Way to America, and I have to say, I kind of related to the book coming from an immigrant background myself. Oh, fantastic. I, when I did that book, I thought it was so specific to my, to my family's stories. But since it's come out, I get emails all the time saying the exact same thing that you just said. It's sort of like a general immigrant story. And so many people, you know, have a similar story. Maybe the country they came from is different. And maybe some of the little details are different, but it's generally the same story. I was really surprised when uh, I started to hear from people saying, well, I didn't come from Italy, but it's very similar to the way that, you know, I came to this country or my ancestors came to this country. So it was really exciting to hear that it connected, um, you know, even though they didn't come from Italy, it really connected with readers. You're also the mastermind behind some of the characters on Nickelodeon's The Backyardigans. Can you tell us a bit <laughs> more about the creative process on that? Yes, I had been in production on my series with Nickelodeon called Oswald, and I knew the, uh, the creator of The Backyardigans, and she asked me if I would be interested in designing some characters for the show, and they had very specific animals they wanted. And they each, you know, each character had like maybe a, she sent me like maybe a paragraph about each one, about their personality and things like that. And uh, it was a really, really fun uh, experience designing those characters. And um, I just wanted to give them their own personalities and I wanted them um, you know, to be relatable to kids. And I was just thrilled to see you know, the first time, the first character that was animated was the penguin, Pablo the penguin. So it was really exciting 
to see this character built, I didn't build it digitally. I did my, my designs by hand, but I worked with a digital artist and he built the character, you know, in the digitally. And, um, and I remember the day that he called me and said, come on over. And so I sat down with him and he played this little, you know, loop of the character waving his arms around and running. It was just really thrilling to see the characters come to life. So are you saying that the way any given character is drawn slash designed has to reflect their personality? I think it should. You know, there, there are certain elements that you can put into a design, a character design that would suggest their personality. And I think it just helps it along a little bit if you can either, I don't know, design them in a certain way that would suggest, like I, I had designed a character for this board book series that I did called Happy Land. And one character was very, it was, I, I, the concept behind it was each character represented something. So one character represented emotions, one character represented intellect, and one character represented spirituality. So I thought about those three things. And then I thought about the three primary colors. And so the emotional character is primarily red. And I thought, well, maybe I'll make the sort of the uh, intellectual character blue because it's cool. And I, was so, I personally associate that with being objective and logical. And then the spiritual one was yellow. And yellow is, if I had to name a favorite color, yellow. And he's tall and thin and lanky because he's kind of goofy. And so I thought if this character, I mean, in the books, he certainly is lanky and goofy and has all arms and legs. But if at some point this character ever becomes animated, he'll be a lot of fun to animate because he can do like a lot of physical humor and things like that. And, you know, so that's sort of the way that I try to give that character a little personality, even before they open their mouth or even before they did anything, I was hoping that it would suggest that he's, you know, goofy and funny and, you know, he was a fun design to, to create. Does that also apply to illustrated books? I try. I try to make it. Um, I have a book that came out um, a few weeks ago. I didn't write it. It was written by an author named Shelley Decker, but I did the illustrations and the book is called One, Two, Grandma Loves You. And the grandmother, it's about a little grandmother, granddaughter having a visit. It was very sweet. It was very funny. And uh, that's why I, I wanted to do it. They offered it to me. And I said, okay, I'd love to. And the grandmother is, if you see the book, the grandmother is very hip and cool. And she's got a little kerchief. She's got these giant round glasses. And she wears these little capri pants and things. And I wanted her to be sort of a, a hip grandma and she has like a streak of gray in her hair and a lot of it takes place in her house and so i love mid-century furniture design and i love i love 20th century art so if you see that book all the furniture in the grandmother's house is mid-century and all the art is you know alexander calder andy warhol uh noguchi all these different things because i i have passion for that and i thought it'd be fun to put that in the book and suggest that the grandmother, because of the way she's dressed and designed and all the things in her home, is that she's kind of cool and hit. So I'm hoping that that comes across. Is writing for children that different from writing for adults? I don't 
really write for adults, but I can tell you that writing for children, I look at it as a really, really big responsibility. You can remember the books that you read as a child, but I think as adults, we kind of can't quite remember a book we read like four or five years ago, unless it was outstanding. I think we kind of you know, consume uh, uh, books as adults, but the ones that really stick with us, I believe, are children's books. And so I've, I take it very seriously that I have a responsibility to create the best books that I can. Um, also, it's very hard because, as I said, mentioned before, you have a limited amount of space to tell the story. So it has to be very, very concise, like choosing every word very carefully because in a picture book, there shouldn't be more than maybe three or 400 words. So you don't have a lot of room to um, go all, you know, like sort of go off on a tangent or go into heavily describing something with words, though that's actually the illustration's job is to, you know, to sort of talk about or, or depict what's, you know, the quality of things. The words are, I look at it as something that moves the story ahead. And again, also defines character. But again, I really feel a great responsibility for what I do because I know that for some of these young readers, they'll remember this book. They'll remember it from years to, you know, for years to come. And so I'm honored to be part of that. And I hear back from people now that I've been doing it for, you know, about 28 years, I hear from adults who grew up with my books and they, were, they can recall them and they can talk about them and they remember them vividly. And, uh, and then of course, the great uh, hope for me is that they will pass these books to their own children someday. They will sit with their own children and, and read some of my books. And I feel so honored to be able to be part of that. You know, they say people forget what you said, people forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. No, that's right, that's true. And what would you advise people who want to get into writing children's literature? I would say that you should carve out a little time for yourself every day and sit in the same place every day. And when you start, you know, just sit there for an hour, get some paper or your laptop or whatever, however it is that you, you know, create. And it's kind of daunting in the beginning, but the more you do it, you sit down every day for about an hour and then, then the ideas will start to come and you'll have a little bit of discipline. And that time, that hour will stretch out, you know, and, you know, it'll stretch out to become two hours, three hours, four hours. I write every morning and I do my illustration work in the afternoon because I'm very sharp in the morning. Um, and then the illustration work is more of a relaxation to me because I was, I'm, I was, I went to school for illustrate. I was an illustration major at Parsons School of Design. I've been drawing since I was about four or five. So it comes very easily to me. The writing comes a little less easily to me, so I really have to be focused. But if you really want to do this, there is an organization called the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, the SCBWI, and they have chapters in every state, in some states, a few chapters, and they, that organization is designed for people who are aspiring to create literature for children and young adults. From, from very young to up to young adults. 
So if you're serious about it or you're or just curious about it, I would check out the SCDWI and see what it's about. And maybe, you know, I don't know if anything is in person at the moment, but I know they have writers groups and critique groups and they and there's conferences. Each chapter has their own conference once a year. There's a national conference twice a year, one in New York, one in Los Angeles. And it's just an amazing community of people, very, very supportive. And we all, you know, all everyone in the organization has the same goal, and that is to write and illustrate children's literature. And it's very exciting. And, you know, although I've been doing this a really long time, I really enjoy speaking, you know, doing workshops with them and speaking to the, you know, the attendees of the conference. It, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a very caring community. So if you are really interested in um, possibly writing and writing and or illustrating children's books, I suggest checking out the SCBWI. Going back to what you said about writing for children being a big responsibility, um, my alma mater offers a course called Writing Children's Literature, and people often take it as a capstone because it's quote unquote easy. So oh. is it is it like oh. that easy? <laughs> It's easy to write a bad book, I'll tell you that. No, it's hard. You know, in adult books, this is a sort of a, a, a sort of a metaphor I thought of a while ago. In adult books, if you have sort of under underdeveloped characters in a weak plot, you can hide it behind a lot of adjectives, adverbs, a lot of different elements. In a children's book, it, it, there's no place to hide. You can't hide undeveloped characters. You can't hide a weak plot or a plot that really goes nowhere with with all that embellishment. So you look at it as a tree and, you know, an adult book could be looked at as a tree in full bloom with all the leaves and the fruit and everything. You get all caught up. But with a children's book, that tree is bare. It's just a trunk and some branches. And if that is weak and if that doesn't look right, because you're stripped bare when you write these books, because you don't have a lot of room for tons and tons of text, you have to be concise about it. In order to be concise, you have to be sure about what you're saying, and you have to be committed to that. And I'm not saying adult writers are not that, but there's no room in children's books to have a weak plot or undeveloped characters. You know, it's you're, you're kind of stripped bare. Your story and your book is kind of stripped bare because there's so few elements. And so just the few elements you have, you have to be very sure that they're as strong as they can be, and it's, it's delivering the message clearly what you want there's not a whole lot of room for ambiguity or, or anything like that in children's books it's, it's usually pretty straightforward and, and it's a discipline i mean it's a hard thing to do most of my books start out very embellished and then there's the process of me reading the stuff out stripping it down and and stripping away to the core of it. and that's hard to do so i would tell those people <laughs> that they don't know what they're getting into if they think that writing children's books uh, is easy. So are you saying that in children's literature, there's no room for techniques like foreshadowing or inserting things like Chekhov's gun? <laughs> I would say that I understand what you're saying. It, it has to be done in such a way where you're, you know, you show the gun, the gun has to go off. I get it. But it's, it's that you have to do it in such a stripped down manner that it's going to be laid bare 
you know, like if you put a piece of foreshadowing, unless it's a tiny detail in an illustration that you catch maybe four readings, you know, after four readings, maybe. But I'm talking about the, the discipline of writing for very young children. And it has to be very direct and very succinct. The book that I'm working on now, like I said, 72 pages, there's a lot of details, but it's for older kids. It's like seven, eight-year-old kids that can handle that. But I'm talking about, you know, the process of writing for very young kids. And it's hard. You think it would be easy, but it's actually really hard. Can you tell us more about where to find your work? Sure. I have a website, uh, Yaccarinostudio. Dot com And on there will be my latest books and some of my other books that continue to uh, sell and, and remain in print. There's information about my animated series. There's information about personal appearances, things like that. So you can order a lot of my books, but just to let you know, the books that are on the site are not all the books that I've done. There's a lot of books that I left off because, you know, a few of them are out of print or they're hard to find or available for whatever reason but the ones on the site are the ones that are all available so um, you know there's a bio there's you know things like that there's links to different things on it so you know i do a lot of school visits i do a lot of book festivals and conferences and different things like that so it's sort of a way for people to find me and get in touch with me. are your books available on amazon yeah they are well, Dan, it was very nice talking to you for our podcast. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to the Geekening podcast. As always, if you want to listen to more compelling podcasts, you can head over to allagesofgeek.com. And if you want to check out more of Dan's work, you can visit yakarinastudio.com. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure.